<laughs> now this is like I'm live and I'm just I'm mumbling. Talk about freeform listening experience and say we're going live. Go live. You're saying we're going live. Live. <laughs> Welcome everyone for this third episode in our fifth season. Uh, today uh, we are going to be focusing on this idea of what uh, what are you selling uh, and what your customers are actually buying and somehow. Sometimes, a lot of the time, we can have this mismatch. You know, we, we're kind of so focused on the things that we're trying to create and the features and the processes and the courses, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not really speaking to what actually our customers want and how not doing that can make it harder for us to price well. Uh, we're joined by uh, Francis and Simon, co-founders of the Better, Bolder, Braver community. And I'll get them to introduce a bit more about what that community is about uh, and who they're helping. We're going to talk to their experiences in terms of how people have approached them, what they've asked them for, and what they're trying to sell. Uh, Ben's going to give his wisdom around some of the principles that we've been using <laughs> on the happy pricing course and how we could apply those to this to their situation and hopefully help you, the listener, understand a bit more how to use these ideas in your own businesses. Uh, and I'd also like to bring into this uh, the idea of the satire change model that our beautiful friend Lala Yelenyev, who is uh, one of our co-coaches on uh, Vision 2020 program, which just finished yesterday, uh, she introduced it to us uh, and helps us to tell the story of the journey of transformation uh, for a customer. And I think it's particularly relevant for people who are coaches because there is that uh, it, it speaks very much, I think, closely to that journey. So. Lots to pack in, um, but before we kick off, um, I thought we'd just say a little a brief hello. We did a bit of a check-in, but let's 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 do it again for the listeners to share share the energy that we're bringing to this space. Um, ben, why don't you say hello and, and and check in with us? Greetings. I will check in concisely and to the point in the theme of today. Uh, Actually, I'm now feeling a little bit calmer having arrived and checked in. I definitely, my morning has felt like I was sort of, uh, start everything. I was sort of a little bit two steps behind the curve. Um, but children are at school, actually quite a, quite a calm walk back from school. Birds are singing, sun sort of shining and then arrived here. So now I feel like I've arrived. So I guess that's a good thing. Welcome. Thank you very much, Ben. Simon, how are you? Uh, yeah, good. Feeling, uh, yeah, pretty relaxed this morning, actually, after the closing ceremony of the Vision 2020 yesterday. Yeah, it was really nourishing in many ways. It was just, yeah, it was just a really good evening of sort of self-reflection and looking forward and backwards and the experience and stuff. So, yeah, for me, it's been, yeah, I've woken up, uh, yeah, in a really, really good place. Thank you, so how are you doing, Francis? I'm good, thanks. I've been up since I think five thirty, and so far I've fed everyone and uh, project managed some hoovering, done a workout. I haven't actually eaten myself, but that's fine. Um, and I've got a day of childcare ahead of me. Um, uh, so this is an absolutely welcome, delightful indulgence first thing in the morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Francis. I appreciate you, um, yes, taking some time to join us. Um, I am, yeah, I'm feeling quite joyful. I'm feeling, yeah, feeling a lot of love. Uh, yesterday's session, 
uh, final closing ceremony of Vision 2020 was a bit sad, but also um, relieved. It's done. Lars can take a break. Um, but it's it, yeah, it, it, it was lovely to to have that experience together, and I think. We're going to maybe talk to a bit about that because we're going to be talking about good feelings and solutions at some point in this conversation. So before we go get to that, what would be useful is one of you, Simon or Francis, maybe just to give us a bit of an intro into your community, who you're trying to help and how you're doing it. So we created uh, Better, Bolder, Braver um, at the beginning of last year, actually, where we, me and Francis met through the Happy Startup School and decided we were on a very similar journey. Um, and that was to work with coaches who wanted to essentially work on their marketing, but were feeling either disillusioned, overwhelmed, or just completely disconnected from marketing advice that's out there. So we wanted to create a, a sort of training, mentoring space, but we weren't sure how that shape was going to work. And then what we realized very quickly was actually community was the answer to that. So in creating a community, we could then gather the people who were interested and then work through what it was we wanted to sort of pass on in terms of teaching knowledge and an experience. So that's what we've created in Better Bundle Baver. It's a community of coaches who are collectively working on their marketing, on their business and on themselves and have come together with us to join a, a, a course that we run, but also lots of events and I guess are sort of um, the fire that draws people into our community is that it's just for coaches. So it's not trying to be all things to all people. We've, we've kind of, we're welcoming in coaches and people helpers for those who are still around the coaching name, shall we say. And all of that advice is based on them and their clients. I'm always delighted every time I listen to Simon do the pitch for our community because he's such a pro at it. So there's not very much to add. One thing I, I talk about often, though, is, is that a, a kind of additional value add, if you like, is where people are getting a lot of juicy tools, techniques and geek outery about how to do marketing. One of the things that we're very proud of that we do, which we haven't yet seen anyone really getting anywhere else in terms of marketing support is space, a safe space to reflect on how the whole thing is making you feel. So we, we check in with people often, implicitly, explicitly, uh, to remind them that they're human beings and that this whole process of putting yourself out there, pricing yourself, marketing yourself, and having to iterate if you realize what you're doing is not serving you is completely okay and that we're all in it together. Uh, so that's, that's a, a very important part of the community for us as well. So just to give a bit of context for people as to why this conversation came about, um, we, Ben and I got organized for once and tried to plan out what is it we're going to be talking about. Uh, over the next few weeks and one of the things was this idea of like what we're selling and what customers are actually buying and then i had a conversation with simon um about yeah some of his kind of the conversations he's had with his customers about um, the things they ask him in terms of well what is it i'm going to get out of this and also some of the kind of the things that other people in your space are selling 
And so the two things that sprang to mind was this, you know, the conversation we had about leads and how many leads I'm going to get. And then also this thing about Facebook and using Facebook and how to use Facebook. So uh, Simon, if you want, if you remember that conversation, whether you want to elaborate more, what came up for you when we we're talking and what, why you were interested in coming on and chatting about it today. So we've had several conversations with coaches who are interested in joining our community. And sometimes they, they sort of send us quite weird and wonderful questions before they join. And, um, a couple of, um, ones stood out. We've had a couple of people saying, well, how will this teach me of how to use Facebook ads? And I'm like, wow, that's a, that's incredibly specific and it's a real tactic. And it's obviously something you feel is lacking. But at no point in any of our marketing or anywhere on the website, we said anything about teaching you how to use Facebook ads. Um, in fact, even spending five to 10 minutes with me, you'll very quickly realize that it's very, very low down my list of marketing. So it kind of felt like someone had just stumbled across it, read the headline, dropped us an email. And it was, it just sort of, you know, little like, oh, it's interesting. And that's that. And then you had another person say, if I join your community, how many leads will I get? It's like, cool. That's another very curious and specific question. Again, really missing the point, but also made me realize because we've been on the, me and Francis been on the Vision 2020, we've been working with Lana through the Satya change model. And in that model, there's that moment where someone flips between this is a real problem to I'm just falling down into chaos. And it's that, it's that moment where I think those people were when they messaged us. And it's that moment where someone's like, I'm feeling really scared about what lies ahead. I don't know what is going to happen. Everything I've reached for seems to have a number attached to it. And everyone's telling me that I should be getting more leads and everyone's telling me I should be using Facebook ads and I should be, you know, growing an amazing Instagram following and posting three times a day and all this other boxing bullshit that's out there. And it's like, they've reached for all that. And then what they do is they take all of those preconceptions and try and squidge it and apply it to whatever they're looking at. So that might be, for example, our coaching community. It could be the Facebook ads uh, school that Facebook run. It could be any number of marketing schools out there. And it kind of immediately made, just made me think, this is really interesting because is it, we're not talking enough about what you're going to get out of this or is it just that people are coming with their preconceptions and, and it just made me think about, do we need to offer more to speak to those preconceptions that people may have, and then maybe gently sort of bring them around the idea that perhaps this isn't exactly what's going to serve them best at the moment, and they might like to consider something else. And then the conflict in me is like, yeah, but am I just chasing the wrong leads? Am I therefore just chasing people who aren't ready to buy? And is that distracting from looking after the people who've already purchased? And is it distracting me from making more content and energy towards those people who are ready to buy? Yeah, I just mentioned um, our concept of levels of awareness, which was Simon's brainchild, uh, but we use it a lot. Um, we talk about the levels of consciousness that people are bringing to the situation when they're uh, potentially going to buy, as it were. And we've also identified that people get turned on by different transitions from one level to another. So our five levels of consciousness or five levels of awareness are problem unaware, problem aware, 
solution unaware, solution aware, and most aware. And for example, I love working with people in the transitionary place that is between problem unaware and problem aware. Simon really likes uh, working with people between problem aware and solution unaware. And, you know, it's interesting to consider, it'd be, I, my invitation would be to you and Ben to think about, like, where, where are you most turned on? Which transition? And so what Simon's talking about is at what point do people engage in our community and what do they think is uh, why they're buying? And the bit that I find really fascinating is the bit where, um, as Simon said, people kind of realize that what they think they're buying is not necessarily what they need kind of thing. And uh, for example, there's a member of our community and we talked a little bit about it yesterday morning on our, on our marketing masterclass, actually it was Monday, uh, with mm. Vix Anderton about do we or do we not want to coach people who have exactly the same problems or challenges as us? And that boils down to how well are we uh, managing those challenges ourselves and how much does it turn us on to manage them ourselves and simultaneously help others. And a lot of that's around safety and boundaries and uh, your own personal experience. And Vix, for example, is loving working with people with perfectionism concerns. And there's someone in our community who has realized recently that they've been wanting very much to help people with problems that they haven't experienced with themselves. And actually, it's far too triggering for them right now. So they've they came to our community with a sense of who their ideal client was. They were all ready to build a product, package it, price it and sell it. But it, it turns out it's far too triggering for them. Mm-hmm. And they've realized that, and that in the work that they're doing with us in the community. So they have kind of gone back to uh, problem aware again, and they kind of have to build again and they need to be held in that space. So what we try and do is, is really help people think about what they think they're buying from us and how we can really help them. And that, and that will really influence the sustainability of their businesses as coaches and also their mental health as human beings. I think one aspect that sprang up for me was this idea of product founder fit. It's like what you're making, not only does it, you know, in startup terms as products, uh, product market fit is the thing that you making something people will buy, but then there's also is the thing that you're doing actually something you, you can do is something that aligns with where you're at energetically and something that you're passionate about. And that's an interesting aspect of this. I wanted to narrow down maybe more about this, you know, these, you talked about the different levels of consciousness. We, uh, for those of you who are not aware about the Satya change model, it's pretty hard to describe unless you see a little picture, but there's just this different stages of the journey. And, and the way I'm interpreting it is I think it's easier to put a number on the value that you can offer the, those different stages. Depend, well, there's a di- at certain stages, I think it's easier to put a value on the number because there's something more tangible there or you can relate to it more. So I don't know, I'm going to pass on to Ben here with that in terms of like when you're getting from problem unaware to problem aware, how much people would consider that valuable and pay for versus finding a solution and being on that other path of like being you know problem aware to solution aware. So I guess one question I'd ask, what's an example of, uh, when, when you say problem, what, what, what's, uh, what are examples of problems that you kind of see or think about in that category, whether I'm aware or unaware? 
So a problem is, 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 I guess, maybe a sorry loaded word that we use, but it, it essentially describes the situation, the issue, the feeling, or the problem that someone has in their day-to-day life, but they're not in, in, and in the unaware stage, they are just unaware of it. It's just something they're living with at the moment. So when they're unaware, it's just their lived experience. Mm-hmm. And then when they become problem aware, they experience something and that makes them go, Oh, I didn't know that that wasn't what that, that wasn't my perception of that experience. So it could be someone says, Hey, do you know if you're not sleeping very well, that could be because you're stressed. Mm. You're like, I did not know that. And then you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And it's that moment where you move from living with it and just thinking everybody's doing it to that moment where you're like, oh, there's a, there's something that's clicked in my head here that makes me realize that this isn't necessarily something that everybody's experiencing or that I should be experiencing slash want to experience. And so do you see that that phase, that problem unaware to problem aware, this is the, as the domain of your marketing? So that's very much what we do in terms of the social marketing, Mm. because it's that thumb scroll across a screen length of, you know, bad sleep, bad sleep can be caused by stress. Well, Mm. hang on a minute. It's, it's a scroll stopper. That's basically what it is. It's that I didn't know that. And that's all you need to do at that stage is just switch someone's perspective on it or Mm. get them thinking about it in a different way. Join two dots. For instance, I'm going to consider myself a coach who wants to get more customers. I am aware of a problem. The problem is I'm not getting any customers. It's like I'm sat here and nothing's yes. coming to me. That is a massive problem. But what I'm unaware of is the problem like when I do go out and try and market, it scares the crap out of me and I get stuck and I got imposter syndrome and uh, my energy drops and I don't want to do it. But I'm not, I don't know, didn't realize that was the problem. I thought the problem was, for some reason, my link, you know, my Facebook campaign isn't working or my social media sort of marketing is just shit. It's like, no, actually, I need to realize the core of this is something else. So we um, practice something uh, that kind of sits behind something called the Ethical Move, which is a, a lovely organization within the marketing community, global marketing community that speaks to kind of ethical marketing. And for example, the problem unaware to problem aware transition can be a place that, you know, if you're, if, if someone is not practice, practicing ethical marketing is, is the opportunity for um, taking advantage of people, sort of abusing good nature, abusing vulnerability. And we're very hot on how to not do that. Um, and a, a much more gentle, compassionate, um, empathetic, human led approach to helping people in that transition between problem unaware to problem aware. So when Simon talks about sort of social media communication and we support our coaches in thinking about how they can speak to people who might be in the transition between problem unaware to problem aware, a lot of it is around that kind of compassion piece, which is linked to the really exciting bit that's something I want to say in reflection of what you just said, Carlos. So people who feel shame um, and anxiety and vulnerability when it comes to doing marketing can usefully do work on, on, on getting themselves much more confident and proud about what they're doing and the service that they're offering and therefore the gift that they're giving. And when you start to be a lot more comfortable about the way in which you're communicating 
um, because you feel it's ethical, you feel it's clear, you know it's speaking to um, real problems and you know and feel confident that you've got a solution that can help people. Suddenly you go from this fear of standing on a soapbox vomiting your shit at everyone to knowing that what you're doing is serving someone and serving a, a greater good for the world. And when we get people to that place of confidence and pride and excitement, it, it switches those feelings that you're talking to about just rabbit in the headlights, anxiety about putting your thing out there or, pri- you know, it completely changes the pricing conversation because you suddenly are showing up with real clarity about the out- outcome that you're serving, why it's you that should be doing this. And you appreciate that, you know, um, we talk about the hero and the guide. The hero is the person that you're talking to and working with, not you. And it, it is so amazing when you see people getting to a place of real excitement about doing their marketing. We talk about marketing as another effing self-growth tool because in doing marketing, in talking about marketing, think about marketing with Simon and myself, what you're actually doing is getting to a place of real clarity and conviction about why you are doing this thing for the people that you want to serve. So I, I'm kind of really curious about like the thing you were talking about, Simon, the, those kind of first, the, those questions which sort of come to you, like the how many leads, the but it's not teaching me that, and then how that kind of links to your the the kind of the problem unaware um, that sort of journey. Because in a sense, what the uh, what your prospective clients are sort of doing, they're, they're signaling, aren't they? They're signaling mm. that something is wrong, but they don't know what the thing is. They don't know what's wrong. They know that something is. So they're holding on to this idea, you know, looking around, looking around, looking around. Oh, maybe it's this. Maybe it's Facebook ads. Oh, maybe it's I don't have enough leads, which, of course, is a thing that people feel kind of viscerally and it feels like a very tangible thing. I don't have enough work. Um, and so they are looking for certainty so they kind of hold on to something uh, and whether that is the the kind of root of the problem or not they're holding on to it because whenever we're trying to buy anything what we're trying to you know really what you're sort of talking about with the kind of problem unaware and and kind of problem aware we're looking to just we're looking to make things surer we're looking to make things kind of clearer we're looking to make kind of problems go away but of course we may not always know what the problem is that we're looking to go away as you you've kind of well articulated and so in a sense, kind of part of the journey, whether of, you know, the journey for a, a kind of marketing to selling journey or a, a kind of selling to earning journey is a journey about, you know, it's a kind of dance, isn't it? A little bit. And so it's about kind of me understanding where you are in terms of what the problem is or how you articulate the problem. Because like you, you kind of, um, you, you kind of alluded to the kind of flavor, the nature of that problem can vary hugely. For different people, they may all hold on to the same thing, which is I haven't got enough leads, or but I need to learn about Facebook ads. But of course, the underlying kind of bubbling cause of that comes in all of the different kind of flavors of sort of human life. And so, in a sense, there there is a kind of sort of dance going on, and it's about kind of me understanding where you are and you understanding where I am. And I think what the other thing you were talking about, which is a really interesting point is, you know, are these people ready to buy? Am I over-investing because they're not actually at a place where they are? Or are they actually very, very ready to buy? They just don't quite yeah. understand the the kind of route into the equation. And of course, this, mm. you know, we don't know, do we? We don't know until we sort of explore these things uh, a little bit. I think one of the things that's kind of interesting, I think, which kind of overlaps with what uh, Carlos and I sort of talk about and sort of teach on the course, which is very much kind of aligned with, with where you are, 
this, you know, this, this kind of problem unaware, problem aware thing. People, of course, are buying something because they want something to change. So whether it's for your coaches, for your coaches, clients, they're all buying those things because they want something else to change. They're not buying coaching. They're buying something else changing in their life. And, you know, they're wanting a, a kind of problem to go away. So they're buying a, a sort of solution and whether that, whatever that problem might relate to, or they're looking for some sort of kind of positive feeling, some sort of good feeling. Uh, and the extent to which I think, you know, one understands those underlying drivers is a real clear pointer as to the, how valuable, or at least understanding how valuable your work is going to be. Uh, and so I think, you know, in that kind of problem unaware, problem aware kind of point, that is the kind of the sort of source material for really sort of exploring kind of pricing. And uh, the other thing, which I think was interesting when I we was kind of first sort of mentioned, we were, we were talking about this is, you know, the, the whole kind of emotional, rational kind of dance, which is going on in the kind of heart mind of your customer. Because, you know, when we kind of offer those things out, as you kind of mentioned earlier, what we're really looking for is we're looking for certainty. We're looking for that story that our rational mind can tell us that this is safe. This is going to do the thing that I want it to do. But of course, the thing that we know is actually we decide whenever we do something underneath that is an emotional driver. So we actually kind of, we make the decision to act emotionally. We then justify it rationally. And so I think, you know, what really kind of is that where people are kind of asking those questions, which feel very kind of sort of specific. I think, you know, certainly in, in kind of my experience and that you kind of mentioned this too, really what that means is they're not yet trusting it, feeling it fully kind of emotionally. So just trying to kind of make it feel safer and just trying to make it kind of feel more secure. And in, in, and in that sense, of course, they're not quite ready to buy. But I think that this, this kind of question does come up sort of, uh, sort of time and time again. And, and I think actually what you've kind of breezed through in your introductory thing, like this whole idea that Facebook's way down on the list of things that I would do, is tremendously reassuring, isn't it? Because it's honest, it's clear, it's open. And actually those are the things which then reassure people. And so then it's like, oh, I can put down this thing around Facebook ads and, you know, I can, I can safely step into this space because I know I get to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling something else. I, some other problem is being kind of met or some other need is being met. So I'm getting those kind of feelings, those kind of feelings acknowledged, those needs met, those, those, uh, those kind of good feelings that I'm after, which allows me to kind of put down those kind of external signals that it's about this, that or the other. And then you're in a kind of place, of course, where you can start to kind of explore it sort of symbiotically. And there you can start to explore kind of pricing in a kind of much richer way, I think, because you're, you're, you've, kind of, you've created the safety where they can put down that idea of, well, how many leads am I going to get? Which, of course, is what everyone's concerned about. But it's like, no, we come to that. And it's like honesty, isn't it? Which basically yeah. opens the door for somebody to be able to put that down. What's running through my mind at the moment is this, you talk about problem aware, solution aware, and that's feels like a very simple journey. Like, okay, now I know how to resolve this issue that I've got, but I felt the need to talk about it as a value aware. And when I talk about value, I'm really talking about pointing to a number because ultimately this is what we're talking about. It's like, what is the number that we put on this stuff? So that people say, yes, I will pay that because it makes sense. And so it doesn't matter how amazing the solution is, the amount of money someone will pay you has much more to do with them than necessarily the solution. Mm -hmm. And so I you know, had conversations with Frances about this because she was a bit, oh, you, know, you know, we should be able to put one price because that's the price for everyone, which is at some, a certain level, yes. But 
if someone goes from no basically income to maybe 500 pounds a month, you know, there's a big change there, but also they're starting from a point of like, I've got no money. Mm-hmm. What am I going to, you know, how, am I going to spend 500 quid on potentially getting 500 quid a month? That's a challenging story to tell. And then you might gain someone from two grand a month to five grand a month. And it's like, okay, what is the, there's a price, there's a value, a real specific number Ben talks about in the course about it. There's an anchor, very mm. clear anchor that you can use to define that. And then the third thing, which I think is a bit more challenging, particularly if you're more purpose-driven and like with you guys, you, you care a lot, there's the emotional change for someone. And how, how do you put a number on that? Mm. You know, what does that actually mean to someone? Because whether they're going from zero to 500 or two grand to five grand, I would also challenge like on one hand, like, oh, I can't number on that. But ultimately, and we talk about the whole good feelings and solution, that could be incredibly valuable. That could be a lifetime of value. Ben talks about this on the course. It's like, you might, us as suppliers, might benefit from the value once from the transaction, but the customer might benefit for the rest of their lives from the mm-hmm. And how that, if you tell the story right, and again, telling the story sounds a bit you know, manipulative, but at the same time, if they understand that and they believe that and they're empowered to suddenly change the way they work for the rest of their life, how much is that worth to people? And so I just wanted to raise the, there's the different elements of this that we'd all, and ultimately what we're trying to do with the happy price is point to a number. How can we mm. point to a number that satisfies us as suppliers and makes and satisfies the customers, someone who, who's, who's paying the money as opposed to just getting, a, you know, skirting around this whole idea of like, yeah, it's about value, but actually I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable putting that number to it and how much that's also to do with us and our own relationship to money. As somebody who's been on the happy pricing course, what I thought was fabulous about it, yes, Simon and I might have slightly, I think there's a very healthy conversation between Simon, myself, you guys, which I'm really looking forward to continuing. Uh, which feels to be around the sort of, do you need to like entertain the idea that you might have separate prices for different people or, you know, in the spirit of how I feel about this, how, how healthy is it for you as the seller to have a price that you feel comfortable going into sales conversations with so that you can kind of, for ba- you know, boundaries sake for yourself and intention's sake. What I found super helpful about the course was the idea of coming up with a set of creative questions to go into sales conversations. And we're really lucky because who we work with are coaches. Mm. So coaches are filled with amazing coaching questions Mm. that they can bring into, you know, pricing conversations, sales conversations, and and they'll be in their happy place because those questions are about, as you say, Carlos, getting the people buying their services to be clear about what the outcome is for them in working with that coach. So if you've settled on a price before in your mind, or you're willing to be flexible in terms of the person that's coming to that conversation with you, doesn't matter. I think the bit that I get really excited about is what what questions can you use that serve the meta purpose of demonstrating your skills as a coach, using the pricing conversation, using the sales conversation to show somebody how brilliant you are as a coach mm-hmm. and how it serves the purpose that way as well as actually closing the deal. One of the things you're saying in there, I think, is hugely important that actually, and this comes up on the course time and time again, particularly for coaches uh, and particularly for, you know, lots of people in, you know, your community, Carlos, these people, you are people, 
you know, with unbelievable kind of skills to kind of explore what people's uh, kind of motivations are, what's kind of bubbling below the surface, because that's where the real kind of, you know, rich and exciting kind of sort of source material is for all of these kind of conversations, whether it's the conversations of work, whether it's the conversations of marketing, whether it's the conversations of selling, you know, it's all of that kind of rich material, which is bubbling under the surface, which is where there's kind of really exciting kind of opportunity. And I use the word opportunity in a kind of positive sense, not in a, you know, for something me to, for me to kind of leap on, but you know, the, the kind of opportunity for work together and coaches have all of those skills, all of that ability. And, you know, to kind of uh, pick up on the idea that you kind of mentioned, Francis, this idea that, you know, marketing is a personal development journey, you know, so is being an entrepreneur, so is running your own thing, so is selling, so is pricing. And actually, the opportunity to kind of explore these things is is kind of where there is, you know, the, you know where, where there is a kind of real goodness. And the coaches do have that. So I kind of just sort of reiterate that point, actually, using the skills that we naturally have. In fact, part of the reason I need to get off the call soon is, I'm meeting somebody else and she was actually a journalist and she runs an awards thing. And I, I was talking to her about, you know, the same sort of thing. She was saying, but I'm not a salesperson. I don't like sort of doing all of that. And so people come with these ideas that selling is a certain thing, that marketing is a certain thing, that asking for money is not something that I do. You know, it's what estate agents do or whatever it is that we might kind of sort of say. But actually in her ability as a journalist, as is with the coaches, she has an ability to understand the importance of stories. She knows how to ask, ask questions. She knows how to sort of see. And I think it's about helping people tap into the skills that they innately have to kind of open things up. And I think that is where the kind of opportunity is. And I think that's clearly what, you know, you guys are doing with your community. The very beginning of Daniel Pink's book, To Sell is Human, is really interesting because what he's saying is everybody is a salesperson and you're always selling all of the time. It's like, if you're a parent, you're one of the best salespeople there is because every night you are selling bedtime. You know, you have to sell the concept of going to bed to your kids every day. And he's like, when you go into a coffee shop, you know, yes, you're being sold, but you're also, you're always selling, oh, let's go this way, not that way. You're always selling concepts and getting people to come with you and do things. It's just selling. So there's this fantastic, it's a really fascinating uh, intro to the book. If you've not read it, I would highly recommend it. It's a really fascinating read that just completely blows your preconceptions of selling out of the wall, but it's, um, it's really good. But what I guess came up for me when we were talking about the pricing and the number is I think for us, it's still finding that number because our clients are dealing with one-to-one -one work, group work, courses, programs. Next, like, how can we say we'll double your income? How can we say we'll, you know, 10x your annual turnover? It's like, you just can't do that. And the people that do do that are the marketing bullshit that everyone's so sick of. So it's like, we intentionally don't put a number on it because we, we, we want to be the opposite of that. But there is still an underlying need of saying, well, it's the certainty thing. And that's what people really want, isn't it? So how can we provide certainty without necessarily having to anchor it to a specific number? Is there a way of doing it? I'm sure there is a way of doing that. And that to us is the journey that we're on at the moment, I think is finding that, that number that makes sense and just is like, oh yeah, okay, I get that. I can, I can picture it. I can articulate it. I can relate to that. And therefore that challenge extends to our coaches because they're in the emotional journey. So for them, it's like, I'm going to make you feel 2.7 times happier than you are now. It's like, no coach is ever going to be able to articulate that. Um, obviously, if you're a career coach, you might be able to say, well, I'll get you a job that is 10,000 pounds more a year than you're on now. There, there could be a specific number there, 
ultimately it's like, how can you put that number on it without it feeling either in, incorrect, irrelevant, or insincere? I think is the, that's the danger and the balance of that number for us. And I think also just the, uh, well, the tiny little thought I had was one of the reasons we decided to put a fixed price on our course is purely for time. Because if it's a fixed price, we don't have to discuss the price. It's a take it or leave it situation. It's like we've attached this value to this thing and it's over here. If you'd like it, you can pick one up, you can take it to the checkout and you will be the proud owner of the course. And we don't have to discuss with people why they might want to do that. We don't have to have that sales conversation. So we've, we've settled on a price that fits that point where people are like, I'm ready to invest in that. Well, and, and I don't need to check with Simon and Francis what the price is because, and so the time we save there is the reason we've had that price. Obviously in the future, we may decide to switch that to a pricing discussion, but then that price is going to have to go up a lot to reflect the time that goes into having the. So it's cat and mouse, you know, there's always a chase to be had, but I wanted to sort of just put out there, that was our thinking behind having the set price for a set thing, ultimately. So there's a difference here between selling a product and a bespoke service. And if you were going to go and work with an organization and you're going to help work with their sales team to essentially improve their marketing, that would be a conversation about what value is going to, you're going to bring to them. And, and that there's no fixed price there. You mm. go, you know, well, there's no set price. You, you define the price for your customer. When you are selling a process or community, there's a product there. I would argue that, um, yes, you need to give a single price, but you need to then think about that isn't necessarily a price that has to be set in stone because you will learn over time whether, you know, <clears throat> that relates to the value you're creating. Yeah. And secondly, there's something around commitment. People will pay attention to what they pay for. So the more they pay, the more they will do the work. And so there's another aspect around this is like, <clears throat> there's not always just one price for everything. There will be potentially a price for different levels. And you do that with your courses. Like if you just join the community, it's one price. If you do the course, it's going to be another price. If you do a program, it's going to be another price. Because that is not only a, a question of the value that you create, but there's also, there's a, a, another element that comes is the commitment that someone needs to put into this. And if mm. someone pays you just a little bit of money, it's less likely they're going to be committed because they're less wedded to it. Yes, there are other things, factors involved in terms of ability to pay, but then that becomes part of this thing that we're trying to teach on the course. It's then your decision to say yes or no to these people. If they can't afford you, then it's up to you to say, all right, well, I will invest in you and you can work with me and you will pay this much instead of that one. Mm. But also you'll be able to say, actually, for the sustainability energetically of my business and financially, I can only work with these people for now. And they have to pay this much money. Yeah. And it's these kinds of people who will get this change in terms of a number in their business, because that's yeah. the way we can work. And so that for me, that's where we, I, the way I think about it in terms of trying to hit price and say, that's the price that we're going to pay while still you're going to flex and move as you evolve as a business. And you realize, actually, do you know how much value we're creating for these people? And for a community, I think for those of you who are running a community to bear in mind, firstly, the idea of just grandfathering people in. You can raise your prices. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you have to raise the prices for everyone. You can say, okay, you were stuck with us since the beginning. You stay with this price. But if mm. you leave and come back, or if you are new, you pay this much because this is the amount of value you're getting. So yeah. you're not fixed to a price for the whole of your 
community or product life. So I just wanted to end with that just to give a bit of more freedom and flex when we think actually we have to be fixed. And for those of you who are interested in pricing, I think the only message I want to give out is like, we want to remove the uncertainty and the ickiness around this whole pricing conversation. Mm. Because that's the, the biggest challenge I think people face. Yeah. You can have the tactics and the strategies, but if you don't believe in the numbers that you're putting out there and you can't tell a story about it, then it doesn't matter what, what course you go on, you're not going to really follow through. So I hope if you join us, we'll just give you a bit more of a friendly, like Francis and Simon, just take a, bring a more human aspect to this process rather than thinking it purely in terms of numbers and, and customers and just getting more. Uh, how can we just make it feel better? Thank you very much, both of you and Ben. Thank you. I feel like we could have gone on for a lot longer, but I'm conscious I want to keep these short. So we're going to have to get you guys back because maybe there's a conversation, I think a more of a broader conversation of how we mar link marketing and pricing and how those two dovetail your favorite word there, Francis. I, I love, um, I love something you and I have talked about, Carlos, which is almost like a quarterly audit of your services, uh, which is an invitation to think about, can you put your pricing up? And also, are you getting really nice testimonials that would give you the confidence to do that but also that you can then use in your content and we're all about recycling and uh, repurposing things like testimonials and we're constantly getting people saying you should be charging more so um there's reasons why we are not that you have spoken to in terms of founding 50 members and the experience of having people in the community but sure in due course we'll be looking back on all those testimonials and feedback things and going yep okay let's reprice because like you say it's time to time to move up so i think what you're doing with Ben and what we're doing uh, is, is lovely in combination and I look forward to people here being able to see how we might be able to work together. <laughs> Brilliant. You see, you've heard it here. So watch this space. 